Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player or a coach and you're just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I am your host, Ken Romeo, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, it's uh, it's bracket time. Did you Have you filled out a bracket? Oh, you're going to hate my response. I didn't even bother. I was looking at the mathematical breakdown of how likely it is that your bracket would, would be effective, and I realized that any... Any sort of guessing I did wouldn't even be worth it. So, well, you probably would have done better than my, I'm in last place. Ah, okay. La- That's I actually, I, and I, yeah, That's and impressive. I actually know, I know, you know, some things. Last place. I think our principal you know. was in first. Oh, yeah. She's so. going to win. She's yeah, that's win. A, that's she's, she's retiring this year, and I feel like okay, this she's is this is my this, this, this is my retirement present. Like, congratulations, yeah. you you won you won our March Madness. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we are really excited today on our show. We are going to have uh, one of the um, members of NAQT, the Vice President of Communications, Jeff Hoppus, will be on our show today, and we are going to talk to Jeff about the upcoming national championships. We're going to focus on MSNCT. And uh, we're going to just lambaste him with questions um, about uh, what it's going to look like, you know, logistics, uh, the cheating policy. We're going to get into uh, the the reason for uh, why it's so expensive and, and everything like that. And we're looking forward to hear what Jeff has to say yeah. about all so that stuff. One of the things that I really respect about you, Ken, is that you're you're very straight to the point. Uh, you never really uh, like like it never even entered your mind to clickbait this title, the title of this episode. So the people who are clicking on this and it's called NAQT's online MSNCT logistics, right? You might say, wow, these are some really hardcore quiz bowl players. But you miss the opportunity to just name this episode like, are we going to cheat at the national championship? Oh, OK, this or was just a working like this was just something a working like title. So so we can still change this. This was just oh, okay. a working all title. Right, all right. But I, I'm saying if it were me, if it were me, I would name it something that, you know, how to cheat at guess. nationals, how to <laughs> cheat at nationals 2021, something like that. Uh, or like, uh, you know, uh, we get the scoop nationals 2021. You know, I, I really did feel like when we were talking to Jeff that uh, he was telling us a lot of stuff that potentially teams were only here for the first time from listening to this podcast. So if you're feeling like, you know, tournament logistics is not my thing, I'm not that into that. Uh, he's talking about a lot of things that will affect every single player who shows up at nationals, like the cheating policy. He's talking about like how they made sure that the integrity of things like zoom and buzz and live and all those sorts of things uh, will make sure that everyone has a great tournament experience. Uh, and I think that's just important for everyone who's, who's attending nationals this year, obviously, whether you're a player or a coach. Um, and so Ken, get to work on that clickbait title. <laughs> we'll see what it actually is when it's published. We'll, we'll see. Um, <clears throat> you know, there, there are a lot of teams that are looking forward to, to playing in nationals. And I got to say, Andrew, through, through the miracle of Zoom and online quiz bowl, we've had a lot of tournaments that are uh, kind of nationals lights with their fields. So mm-hmm. when we get to our scoreboard in just a minute, you're going to hear about a tournament that Middlesex took part in and um, <clears throat> we, we, we were part of a really deep field. And if it was anything like what we're going to see at nationals, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. No doubt about it. Sounds good. Let's check it out. It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. 
So the tournament that we were just referencing was the Middle School National Preparatory Tournament, or MSNPT. It was held on Saturday, March 27th, and it was on Discord. They used the Detroit Country Day Academic Regular Tournament questions, or the DART, which were kind of like an IS. They were a regular high school difficulty. They were tough. They were tough questions, especially for middle school teams. But the kind of teams that were there, uh, they could handle it. Uh, they really could. So the field in- included... Uh, number two, Longfellow. Uh, number four, Howard. Mr. T, that was your number three. Uh, number five, Burley Manor. Um, number seven, Middlesex. Mr. T, you had them ranked 10. And number 10, Bret Hart, although they were Mr. T's number eight. So uh, Longfellow, Howard, uh, Longfellow, Howard, Burley Manor, Middlesex, Bret Hart. Howard from Georgia was playing solo. They actually uh, won the whole thing. They finished with the best record. They were seven and one to take first place. And that's Charles Height, who was just you know, again, just off the charts good. Um, Longfellow and Burley Manor end up tying for seconds. And as I said, the questions were really tough. Like they might be uh, come playoff time at Nationals. Howard's one loss was to Burley Manor A. Burley Matter's losses were to Longfellow and Middlesex. Longfellow's losses were a five-point defeat uh, defeat to Herberger uh, when they were without Devin Hagen and a 30-point defeat to Howard. So the teams at the top really playing each other tough. Here's how the final standing shook out. Howard won. Longfellow and Burley Manor tie for two. Bret Hart was four. Middlesex A, five. Herberger, six. So congratulations to Howard, and we can't wait to see you guys again at Nationals. A few other tournaments. Uh, the number six, Green Hill A, which is my number four, wins the Texas State Championship by defeating Beckendorf A. Uh, the Washington Invitational, which was held on Saturday, March 27th, went to uh, the host school. So Washington A went 9-1, and one, and they defeated Mountain Home 360-130 to 130 in the final round to capture that first place. And Lisa McCleary's Columbia Independent takes third. Well, we are very pleased to be joined by the one and only Jeff Hoppus. Jeff was uh, has been playing Quiz Bowl uh, for a long time, since 1994 in Mannheim Township High School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Shout out to Missy Dahl and her uh, Lancaster High School. He played college quiz bowl at Princeton and for UC Berkeley. And after graduate school, Jeff helped found the Northern California Quiz Bowl Alliance and has directed dozens of tournaments in the San Francisco Bay Area. Since 2009, Jeff has served as NAQT's Vice President of Communications. He lives in Richmond, California with his wife, Larissa, and their two dogs. Uh, what are their dogs' names, Jeff? What, what are they, what uh, they, they, are at, they, they are Adelaide and Naseby. Awesome. Um, once in-person tournaments resume, Jeff can be found in tournament hotels nationwide wearing a variety of bird-themed ties. I guess that's like a play on hoppus Trademark. and hopping is that is that where that came well, from I, or are we just uh you've seen my uh, forums avatar and my you know, hsqb uh, username is important bird area so those of you who know me know that on weekends they're not tournaments i spend that time out in the woods looking at birds so awesome. every one of the ties uh, for official tournament use has a bird on it so so jeff how are you doing today oh we're doing great thanks for having me on guys Good. I'm, I'm glad you can uh, glad you can take time out. I know it's uh, it's a busy time for NAQT and editing and national tournaments coming up, and we certainly here at Middlesex have an eye towards MSNCT. And um, you know, we were very disappointed in the cancellation last year. Although, yeah. you know, certainly, who that was kind of inevitable. Mm-hmm. But so this year. 
with NAQT having its online national championships, uh, we want to know what was the biggest hurdle that uh, that you had to overcome in order to have your national championships online? Honestly, the biggest hurdle from our end was our collective lack of experience doing online tournaments. As you probably know, uh, through spring of 2020, all of our tournaments were in person. We simply did not allow online events to happen for security reasons. Our, our logistics team has worked together for years and years. We pride ourselves as a company on the excellent logistics at our national championship events. In person, we're able to anticipate what can go wrong. We can prepare for it ahead of time because we've probably seen it before over the years. This year, we still anticipate excellent logistics, but so many aspects of the experience are just new to our team every level. And in order to overcome that, we've been having weekly calls with our logisticians to plan the details of our championships and maintain the level of quality that teams are used to at our flagship events. Uh, so let, let me ask, like, I mean, I don't think people... <clears throat> know too much behind the curtain. How big an organization is NAQT? Uh, NAQT has, oh, I have to look at the numbers. I believe we have 14 members at a given time. Okay. Uh, usually about six or seven of us are working full-time for the company. Uh, we have a group hmm. of writers that in a normal year, we would uh, issue a call in June or July uh, for additional writer applications uh, to join our group of freelance writers uh, that we pay to write the questions, and that's at every level of contribution, up from a few dozen questions a year to people who send us hundreds and hundreds of questions at a time and have very substantial part of their employment writing questions for NAQT. Uh, so over the course of NAQT's existence, uh, we've had more than 400 writers uh, move in and out of the company. So we try to get an array of diverse voices contributing to our question content. So, so by Quiz Bowl standards, we're a big organization. By general corporate standards nationwide, we are not a big organization, and sometimes that results in tension between uh, within NAQT and mm -hmm. between NAQT and the community. So, sure. So, I know a question that Ken is is chopping at the bit to ask this year is: uh, Will there be a card system? Will Will you be mailing? Can card every round? I'll get it maybe in a couple business days. Uh, well, first of all, yes, absolutely. There will be a card system at the 2021 MSNCT. Uh, no, we will not be sending physical cards back and forth. Uh, we've developed an online implementation okay. of the card system model. Uh, we've worked out that at several local tournaments using NAQT's questions up to 64 teams at a time for some of Rob Hensel's work in the Twin Cities. Uh, we found that it, it works reasonably well. Uh, we are confident that it does as much as it can to replicate the card system model in an online environment. So we're very proud to be sharing that with the rest of the community. So we look forward to seeing that in a few weeks. Awesome. Uh, Ken, do you mind if I take this next one? Yeah, please. OK, uh, so I'm assuming no cards uh, physically. We'll see. Maybe they're NFTs or something. Who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, OK. So uh, 2020 NAQT, Ken and I had a lot of discussion about 2020 NAQT when things were up in the air. Uh, I actually had him uh, dig up an old email um, uh, that was sent out right before uh, everything really went crazy in March last year. Uh, and I was wondering, last year, was there any consideration to trying to take uh, nationals online? Or was this something that came about because it had kind of already been battle tested by then that there were there were so many dozens of online tournaments that had already run. And then you guys felt safe doing it. 
we briefly considered moving championships online last spring, but we never seriously considered implementing it simply because there was too little time to do it in an appropriate fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, things shut down around the second week of March last year in 2020. That would have given us about three weeks before our college national championship, yeah. about six weeks before middle school, maybe 10 weeks before high school. There simply was not enough time to plan the events appropriately and to bring everyone on board, both teams and staff, to get them set up to do it right. Basically, it would have been rushed, and everyone, ourselves included, would have had just very limited experience of running it. So we concluded that it just would not have been possible to do online events that we felt comfortable with maintaining our usual standards. And we were very disappointed to cancel. We know it's disappointing to teams. It's very disappointing for us because running those championship events in the spring is the highlight of our year. And it was very frustrating for us to have to cancel, but we had to do it as a matter of public safety. I think everyone recognizes that. And we're very glad to be back even in digital form this year. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, it was the right thing to do to cancel Absolutely. in person. And, you know, as, as Andrew talked about, we read the email and the, the, uh, lengths that you were willing to go to and still try to be in person, like you were w- going to wipe the seats down in between matches and and competitors weren't allowed to shake hands, you know, like, yeah. okay. Uh, you know, looking back we on really it. really understood the scope of how bad Right. And, and yeah. now when we look back on it, like, come on, that w- it really wasn't yeah. serious, but, but, you know, you guys were trying your best. Yeah, there was a lot we didn't understand about the nature of the pandemic back in early sure, 2022. Sure, sure. So. You know, when Andrew and I were talking in in, in preparation, um, I, I, I'm stealing Andrew. I'm stealing your thunder here, but it was. Sure, go for but it. but I want to make sure, like the the point gets brought brought up, because Jeff, you were saying it wouldn't be up to your standards, and I I believe that. I just held a tournament a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> and it went great. It was, it was smooth, but it's not what I know we could do. It wasn't it wasn't great. It was as good as it could have been, but it wasn't great. Do you think maybe the standards that you would set for yourself were just too high and it would have been okay to hold something lesser and bill it as such? Like this isn't what we want, but this is the best that we're going to be able to do. And at least it's something, right? Andrew, what's, what was the, what was the expression used? Like sometimes um, perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Perfect is the enemy of good, is what I said. And uh, my thought was, uh, it, it, this connects really well to my next question that I have, which is, uh, is there any consideration to online tournaments actually being kind of a more equitable thing for teams that maybe can't afford to fly out, uh, teams that don't have the the means to compete in regular year? And is there any consideration to maybe? Doing something that is not necessarily the national championship maybe is billed a little bit differently, but does stay online in future years. Well, there's certainly a number of options there. First of all, I can't stress enough that uh, next spring 2022, we certainly hope that we will be able to return to having our national championships in person. Obviously, that depends a lot on where public health is next spring. We don't know the details of that yet at all. That being said, we agree it's certainly possible that online tournaments can be more accessible and equitable for lots of teams. As we know, there's not the expense of physical buzzers. There's not the expense of travel. We know in many ways that can be logistically easier. Uh, It also, for obvious reasons, makes it much easier to support a cross-regional or national scope field at an event in the regular season and not our season-ending national championships. 
So yes, we will definitely be exploring this. We have not made any decisions yet, but we're very interested in investigating how online tournaments will be part of the quizable world once it's again possible to host physical events in person. Uh, we think it's very possible that we will have a period probably sometime next year uh, during which we'll have a transition and we'll have both in person and online as available hosting options. So I think it's very possible that we'll see a period where there's a mix where we'll have some in-person tournaments back and we'll still have some online tournaments and be able to do some outreach to schools in rural areas, for instance, that would otherwise have to travel significant distances to play. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that is, I think is, is really part of the future of Quiz Bowl is expanding into those rural areas that don't necessarily have the infrastructure to support it. Uh, the schools that are that are uh, one school in a, a 300 mile radius that really wants to play Quiz Bowl and has really motivated students. Oh, I, yeah. There, yeah, there's I'm, there's a school so in Arizona. Excited. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Herberger in Arizona. There's nothing like like you. Arizona is a desert. It's a Quiz Bowl desert. And because of the pandemic and online tournaments, they have been able to compete with some of the best schools in the country. And uh, that's a really meaningful experience for those kids that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I hope it's something that continues. And, you know, even if we're just scrimmaging, even if they're not, you know, like actual tournaments or what have you, I, I don't see why we can't continue to use Zoom or Google Meet or, or, or whatever. Um, speaking of which, uh, Jeff, uh, the national championships, are we on Zoom? Are we on Meet? Please don't tell me we're on Discord. <laughs> uh, we are on Zoom officially for all of NAQT's championships. Uh, we know there are a lot of options out there uh, for online platforms. Uh, we've seen all three of Zoom, Google Meet, and Discord uh, used for local NAQT events. <clears throat> Uh, the this fall, winter, and spring. Uh, we know there are upsides and downsides to each of them. Uh, we found Zoom has been the best uh, for stable audio and video quality, and that's why we went with Zoom for NAQT's official national championships. So. Okay. Uh, are, is each match in its, uh, or is each room its own Zoom meeting, or are, are you doing breakout rooms? That seems like a logistical uh, each, nightmare. Uh, we What we are currently planning on, again, this is two weeks before the ICT. So we have done nothing larger than the 16-team community college championship back in February. So uh, warning that this is all perspective and take this with a grain of salt because we haven't actually started running these yet. Uh, the current plan is that, yeah, each game room will be its own distinct Zoom room. And uh, those, will be set, those will be set up with waiting rooms so the moderator will admit the correct teams into the room. And then when the match is over, kick them back out and then they will go join the next room that they are to be assigned to. So... Okay, that makes sense. And how about uh, as far as a buzzer goes, what are we using? Buzzers, for uh, we're planning to use uh, the buzzin.live online system. Uh, we've used that for okay. a number of local tournaments and it has worked very well. And we've, we've found that, that is the best and most consistent online buzzer. That's better than COBA in your mind. Uh, in, in our practice, uh, especially uh, in the tournaments where we have tested out in Minnesota, uh, we found that it's better. Uh, again, this is our first time running large online tournaments. Again, we're open. We're open to other options. We're open to re-examining if we end up needing to do this in the future. Which, as I said, we very much hope that we won't need to do this for spring 2022. But if we do, yeah. I expect that we'll be adjusting and revising different aspects of our operations as we go forward. Which is something we do all the time with in-person events too. So. So right. if any enterprising uh, software engineer out there wants to pitch their own proprietary NAQT software, 
uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll have your ears open. Yeah, we, we uh, definitely have our ears open to the community on that. It, in theory, it would be fantastic to have an integrated system that did buzzing and scorekeeping and question reading all in the same window. Uh, nobody has built that yet. We'd love to see it if it happens. So, so uh, my question is, uh, with all these things, like we're planning on using Zoom, we're planning on using um, Buzzin' Live, uh, what would your advice be to to teams who maybe haven't had as much practice playing online uh, this year and who who maybe have more experience playing in person, but online is a new animal to them? How should they practice? Yeah, I would say pretty simple advice here. Uh, read the details page about our championships. Read our guide to online tournament hosting. Then set up your practices a couple weeks or a couple months before the tournament starts. Set up your practice sessions running in accordance with our guidelines. Conform as much as possible to the experience of running the national championships. Read the games in Zoom. Use the buzzin.live system. Have everyone set up and use the equipment that they plan for to use on championship day. Make sure it works in practice so we have as few technical difficulties as possible on actual tournament day. I hope that's just basic common sense for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of, of technical issues, um, can we just get like a little bit of a rundown if uh, if we're in the middle of a match and someone gets kicked out of the Zoom or their their mic doesn't work? Like what 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 should we expect uh, is going to happen when that when that happens? Not if, but when that happens. It, uh, for a large enough tournament, we know it will happen. Uh, the basic policy I'd have to consult for the details of this, but the basic policy of how moderators should react to technical issues of that type, uh, they will stop after the toss up bonus cycle is over try to quickly resolve the technical issue if they can. Uh, if not, teams will have an opportunity to adjust. We won't like record toss-ups heard for players who have been you know, kicked off by a technical difficulty, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. Could we make a substitution? Can we put somebody uh, in? Let me actually take a, look at the, let me take a look at the details of that. Like, Does that count as a team's time out? I will have to double mm-hmm. check that. I, I will say that that's what I did when I ran mine. Uh, and I don't think, Andrew, I mean, you moderated. I really don't think there were too many yeah, issues we didn't, of kids we didn't getting have kicked too many off. Issues. No, except yeah. when they were, you know, they were being little jerks and I kicked them off. And then I said it was technical <laughs> issues, uh, <laughs> which I don't think will happen at the national championship. Just, so. just throw in a waiting room like, I don't know where he went. I don't know what happened yeah. to him. <laughs> no, it was good. It, it went very smoothly. And the kids were great. So. And don't worry, Jeff. We'll edit this out. We won't. We won't. Uh... <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm reading through our rules right now, trying to it's find okay. the actual answer. I, 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 I know that was on I, the list. Can I, can I say I love reading the NAQT quiz bowl rules? Every time I read them, I'm looking. I'm I'm actively looking for things to break. I'm like, wait a second. Wait well, a second. Is this we, something that you can exploit? Like, is there an, is there a loophole here? Uh, we read the rules that uh, way so. too, and every summer well we look. Uh, very well I don't know how much we're editing out here, but every summer we read the rules over precisely to think, think of. Okay, what do we want to consider changing uh, for next year? And anyway, I've in like two minutes of like clicking over to our online tournament guide. I haven't been able to answer this question myself, so I'll kick that over to my colleagues and look that okay. up and make sure no that's worries. clear to all the teams before we start actually running events. So, thanks thanks for bringing that, it up. That's fair. Hey, no no, no problem. You know, we, and obviously things are going to come up that, you know, we haven't thought of. And, uh, you know, you guys always deliberate uh, in a, a very fair and just manner, and we appreciate it, and I think that's what makes your tournament yeah, we're glad, so great. we're glad to hear um, that. So. So uh, there also, besides tech issues and speaking of deliberating and being just, you know, we've been running these 
regular season tournaments, and we've run into instances of teams and players uh, just outright cheating, whether they're Googling or they have a, a, a chat going with their with their teammates um, and they're looking things up on their phones or they're talking to t- teams with on, on in different rooms that might've already heard questions. Um, <clears throat> what, what do you guys plan to do uh, to try to combat that? And how do you guys plan to deal with it if, and when somebody's caught? Okay. So in general, our policy is that we will require players to show their face and have both hands in view on a video feed while gameplay is live. We can achieve that by sitting a few feet back from the computer that we're playing on and adjusting your webcam appropriately, or by sitting closer to the computer and holding a phone or other buzzing device up near your face. So what we ask is that Every player and coach attending our championships should work together to uphold the integrity of competition at our national championship events. Fundamentally, misconduct of the form that you describe ruins the experience for everyone. Fundamentally, we ask the players to do it, and players who are caught committing some form of infraction will be subject to sanction under Section K of our rules, and that's the same thing as as it would be if you were caught, you know, passing paper packets or out at an in-person tournament. Yeah, hopefully, uh, if all goes according to plan here, uh, we would actually like to have our teams in the same room uh, competing together. And, um, you know, a coach would be in a room, would be able to see them, and, you know, we'd be able to, to keep an eye on everything that they're doing. Not that I don't not that I don't trust my team or anything, but, you know, I know that's not the case for everybody. And uh, we, we had some instances over the weekend, this last tournament that we went to, there was an instance and it's, it's a shame. It really is a shame because when one team commits an infraction, it impacts the entire tournament, like how many games they won shouldn't count and what stats shouldn't count. And, and, you know, in the long run, things don't really matter, but in the moment they do. And the kids who are playing, who want to look online and see a number next to their name and have that number be as high as possible, it matters to them too. And it, 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 you're right, Jeff, it, it, it's, it stinks that people are going to do that for no, really no good reason. Yeah, thanks, Ken. I think that I think that's a very good statement. Uh, for the record, our rules do permit uh, the team to gather in one place under the supervision of a coach or chaperone. Uh, we encourage if teams are doing that, please make sure that you mask up, keep the kids distant from each other, so as to minimize potential viral transmission. Uh, please only do that if the schools are open in your area and if it is safe to gather. We don't want people actually defying the public health guidelines in whatever local jurisdiction they're in at the time of the turn. When uh, when it was announced that the tournaments were being held online, I know I was very very excited because you know I feel like the the kids last year, our eighth graders last year, were really kind of robbed of this uh, uh, opportunity. Obviously, nothing you could do about that. Um, but so this year, our eighth graders get a chance to to compete, and uh, and the seventh graders that are playing will get some experience. We're looking forward to it. We found it was online, and that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I will say, though, Jeff, it was a little uh, – it, it caught me by surprise that the entry fee was still the same as it was last year. So I, I only know the entry fee for MSNCT. That's the only one I, I, I enter in. And it was $615 last year, and I imagine a lot of that – money went to cover the the cost of renting the space from the hotel and it's 615 dollars this year now i know we don't have a any plane tickets to pay for and any hotel rooms to to book uh so we are saving some money in in that respect which is which is great 
But I, I was a little confused when I saw that the entry fee was the same. And I know that there was definitely some um, some chatter online about that too. And we're, we're hoping you can help us kind of understand NAQT's decision to keep the entry fee uh, where it was last year. Sure. Uh, we know the size of the entry fee is a disappointment of some teams. We understand why people are concerned about that. But fundamentally, the course of our planning for online championships uh, revealed the total operating cost for putting the event online was quite similar to what we would typically spend on an in-person event through spring of 2019. Uh, the important thing to keep in mind here is that securing the venue uh, is only one part of our very complicated championship process. Uh, the other things that are going on here, we need to write a championship length and championship difficulty question set and compensate our writers and editors. Uh, we need to do months of advanced planning for tournament logistics. And we also need to assemble a Nationals caliber moderating team, which is one of the just critically important things. We cannot run these events uh, without the staff, moderators, scorekeepers, controller, and people who make the tournament run. And assembling that team is important, and we actually need a larger team for, in, for online tournaments than we would for in-person tournaments. So all those things Why is that? are, yeah, uh, they're simply, they're certain of the control room and administrative tasks that one person can do in one physical location and can do multitasks and move back and forth. Uh, whereas once we're split up and we're all on Zoom screens and chattering back and forth on, you know, internet communication platforms, uh, those control room tasks are broken down. So you'll need more stats people, more protest committee, more people to run control rooms and manage Zoom rooms and deal with technical difficulties. And they're just certain things that need to be done that don't need to be done at an in-person hotel. So we'll actually need more staff and more planning work uh, than we did in 2019. And so for that reason, there are, there are some parts of our process where the, the cost to us actually went up in terms of the preparation of the event. So overall, on balance, it is about the same as it was in 2019. And we understand why it's disappointing, mm -hmm. but we wanted to just get that out there and explain this is why it is the sure. way it is. Sure. Um, so you mentioned the fact that it, it requires more staff to do this. And I understand championship caliber staff. Um, I, I, absolutely, I get that. Especially, are there, are the rounds timed again this year? Uh, They're not. Uh, that's one of the big differences from our past championships. Uh, in person, okay. uh, we time everything just to keep everything running on schedule consistently. Mm -hmm. uh, online, it simply was not possible to run timed tournaments in an equitable fashion, mostly because of the technical difficulties that you cited that we're going to have some amount of static from a player got dropped in the Zoom room, a player was accidentally off mic. And it would give teams, it would be imbalanced from one team to another and also give teams like opportunities to like stall via like technical difficulties. And that's just not a good idea. Mm. So um, what, we, what we have done very consistently is the vast majority of online tournaments using our questions this year have done untimed 2020. And we're planning to do that for our nationals for as long as they are online as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, and I've been to, I mean, obviously if you've been to any of the national tournaments, you know how good the readers are. Um, Fantastic. and, Best and, 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 you know, on the flip side, you've gone to some local tournaments. I'm sure everyone out there listening has, has gone to local tournaments and you've had readers that, stumble over words, mispronounce things, um, maybe aren't as kind as they should be to uh, to some of the players, and all of that want, it, it needs to be avoided. 
so Jeff, you're saying that that there you need more staff, and one of the things I noticed this year that wasn't an option, or at least maybe I maybe I missed it, was there wasn't an option to provide a staff discount, which is usually fifty dollars or something like that. I know we can't bring buzzers; there was always a buzzer discount yeah. of like fifteen dollars per per buzzer. And you know, I'm thinking about teams and ways to cut costs. Sometimes they would bring buzzers. Sometimes they would provide a staffer who could keep score in a room, and even that option was taken away. Yeah, fundamentally, uh, team staff are usually a relatively small component of our staff list. Uh, recent MSNCTs for a tournament of that size in you know, the mid-hundreds of teams, uh, we've typically had like a single-digit number of people who are team staffers on our staff list. And especially this year, honestly, the biggest reason uh, we got rid of the staffer discount is precisely the concerns we were saying about tournament integrity. Uh, that, Fundamentally, the questions are online, and the scorekeeping is also being done online as well, and especially the possibility that rooms might get out of sync, where one room is five minutes ahead of another, and where somebody's team was playing in a room that was lagging behind a room where that, oh, where that coach or chaperone, oh, do we need to cut off there for bark, bark, bark? Maybe. No, it's okay. He, he, is, he, is, he is protesting for the sake of tournament integrity. He is, he is absolutely on our side. He's saying, you know, we don't, we don't want things to get too out of line. Anyway, I think Naseby's protest that the U.S. mail just arrived at our house in California. Okay. okay. So, yeah. uh, anyway, what was I saying? Anyway, uh, we got rid of the staff discount precisely to maintain the integrity of the tournament. Uh, we know there are increased concerns about integrity and misconduct when everything is being done on Zoom and there are more opportunities for mm -hmm. teams that might potentially uh, be tempted mm -hmm. to commit some kind of unscrupulous action there. Uh, especially, mm -hmm. we wanted to avoid even the perception that some team might get an unfair advantage from having their coach or their chaperone or their parent somewhere in our online systems doing a tournament early related task that involved access to the questions. It's easy to sure. do that in person where we can say, yes, you are in room 106 of the hotel and your team is on ballroom conference level D and they're not going to be communicating mm -hmm. back and forth because the moderator will see if the kids are on their phone during the game. Here, there right. are more concerns about that. and We wanted to just foreclose the possibility. Mm -hmm. I know it's disappointing to the teams, but we'd yeah. much rather recruit half a dozen extra staff on our own than have mm -hmm. to deal with a accusation during the middle of a tournament about, oh, your assistant coach was in a room somewhere and had access to the questions. So, so, uh, so if, if staff is this difficult to come by, uh, and I see the, the field right now for MSNCT is at 80, um, I, there are a lot of good teams on the wait list. I mean, there like absolutely Hart, are. White, White Station, is there any chance the field might expand in the in the next month or so to get like teams that have a legit shot of if not winning finishing in the top 10 have a chance to get in yeah we certainly hope that we will be able to expand the field uh i don't know how much you've been reading our announcements lately uh we have expanded our ict our ipnct and our ssnct over the last couple of weeks uh we certainly hope that msnct will be able to follow suit as i mentioned uh the biggest constraint right now is staff availability just because online tournaments call for more staff and some of our usual staff simply won't be able to join us this year because of the online venue so uh, if there are listeners out there who would like to staff the 2021 
MSNCT, uh, please let us know. You can write to us at staffinterest at NAQT.com. That's a hyphen between staff and interest, staffinterest at NAQT.com. Uh, there are a few requirements for staffers, too, that I just want to flag here before people write into us. Uh, the first is prospective uh, staffers must be at least 18 years of age. And the second is prospective MSNCT staff cannot be the active coaches of middle school teams. So uh, if you'd like to join us and you meet those requirements, uh, drop us a line at that email address and we'll see what we can do to add you to our team. Yeah, and we'd love to we'd love to have more staff because we'd love to have more teams. Yeah, um, we're, as, act, we're actively recruiting staff right now. We very much hope that we will be able to expand and let some of those teams in off the wait list. But obviously, we don't know for sure yet at our current numbers. So that is something to keep us busy over the next few weeks. I, I think the tournament integrity stuff that you've emphasized so much already, Jeff, uh, really for me, the way the way that I phrased it to the kids was uh, the same way that you would watch your opponents in an actual room where you were playing quiz bowl together. Just watch your opponents online. Like we're, we all have the ability to uh, make sure that this tournament has the integrity that it always, you know, has. Uh, and, you know, another four pairs of eyes in the room uh, that are very practiced at noticing when things are kind of awry uh, is is a huge benefit. So my question would be, uh, how would how would a player uh, like notify the the moderator if they were to notice? Uh, let's say uh, I you know my hands go off screen, I'm typing something, and then I buzz. It's it's yeah. blatantly obvious. So uh, how would they, fundamentally, how would they what that? we what we want that to do is we want that to go through channels. So if a, so if a player sees that, the correct thing to do is to talk to your own team's coach, and the coach can raise the issue with our tournament staff. So one thing we definitely do not want is to deal with like seven or eight simultaneous allegations from players about what would be going on during the tournament. I hope you'll yeah. understand why we would want that. So. Mm-hmm. Please Absolutely. bring up the concerns as soon as you can and bring them up privately via coaches and via our tournament staff rather than just you know, breaking that out in public mm-hmm. you know, over a live mic training game. So. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any consideration to recording the rounds? Or is, uh, we, will, uh, we will be recording uh, selected rounds from our championships, almost certainly not all of them, just for reasons of audiovisual capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. We will be recording some of them. Uh, there will be a number of games with third officials in addition to the moderator and the scorekeeper. We hope that will improve the integrity situation tournament. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, we already do have a third official for many of the late playoff games and in-person events. Mm-hmm. Uh, that third official's role in an online environment will substantially be focused on on monitoring games mm-hmm. for integrity. Very nice. I'm, I'm very impressed by... You, your organization taking a perspective that I often take, which is um, I really enjoy seeing how systems break. Uh, and I really enjoy kind of inverting expectations by, you know, asking myself, okay, if I were to be interested in violating tournament integrity, like what would be the easiest way to do that? And it, I, I genuinely feel that talking to you right now that I already know there are multiple uh, people who are absolutely on that way, way, way ahead of me. Uh, and there's conversations that have been had. In can, can I just say for the record, Coach Toriago has never come to me in a tournament and said, hey, Mr. Romeo, this is how we're going to cheat and win. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And we've never, never implemented any of his ideas. To, okay, oh, no, no, no. Just I, for the record. My, <laughs> my, my love is like uh, when someone gives you a rule set and then – you know, the rule set is incomplete. And so there's some sort of an exploit, like, like exactly like what you were saying with the, um, 
the the technical issues leading to timeouts, leading to things like that, that definitely would be a deeply unsatisfying thing. And probably later in the rounds, uh, you know, once it had happened to a few teams, it definitely would be something that almost manifests as like a like a darkly dominant strategy like every team should maybe be doing this like and i i i just want to the only reason i bring this up is because i i am really happy in this conversation and i think anyone listening should should feel also uh the same way that that naq is has this naq is having these discussions they're they're you know whatever whatever twisted machinations uh, a player can think of they have players who you know have just as much experience if not more uh, and are using that experience for good. They've got all the white hat quiz bowl players they can they can handle. So that's well, we're very glad to hear that. Fundamentally, one of our core values as a company is just building up the systems to run very large tournaments in a fair and universally transparent manner. So, so we would not have gotten from zero in 1996 to 350 teams worth of HSNCT in the recent past <laughs> couple of years without doing a good job on building systems that are resilient to things mm-hmm. going wrong in the middle of the tournament hotel. Yeah, so, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so what is the, what is the most catastrophic thing that has ever happened at a national championship tournament that you've been to? You don't okay. have to specify the year and you don't have to specify which So don't specify the year. Don't specify what, what bracket of age okay. was in. You can just say uh, like, well, I think, honestly, uh, this is not not necessarily off the record, but this is speaking uh, solely for Jeff. <laughs> no, this is not the record. We're my keeping this. <laughs> not necessarily for my colleagues at NAQT. Uh, my personal Theoretically, here's a scenario that may have of, happened. Yeah. Uh, in terms of NAQT policy, uh, as you may be aware, a number of years ago, uh, we had a major scandal uh, in which a player who was a... Uh, who was an NAQT writer, uh, used our own internal question systems uh, as a means of cheating at one of our tournaments. And hmm. we found out about that via review of the server logs, and we had to uh, we had to revoke championship trophies from teams and fire someone who had done a substantial amount of editing work for our own company. And that was that was awful to go through as an officer of this company. And just as a person living through that over the course of the few months it took to play out, so that sure. was terrible. That I hope it never happens again. And that was one of my personal low points as a Quiz Bowl communications vice president, figuring out okay, how do we announce that we are taking trophies away from teams because one of our own editors was using their editorial access to cheat at past tournaments. <laughs> It was really bad. We wow. hope it never happens again. Yeah, yeah, man. I was expecting, like, yeah, one time this team lost their card. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an ordinary Tuesday. That's not even in the top ten thousand. Ken, why are you going to call me out like that? I told you not to call me out like that in front of Jeff. I only, right. I only misplaced. I, I spent the card. so okay. much of my life chasing teams with misplaced cards around the atrium of the Hyatt Regency. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the low point. What is your favorite moment? And, and let's stick to nationals. Favorite moment at a nationals competition uh, that, that you can recall? Uh, I, I would say one of my favorites, since uh, we're here, we're talking to you, Ken. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that I just want to cite here is the end of the 2016 MSNCT. Uh, you saw that, obviously, as a coach in, in the room watching it happen. So I wanted to give you a perspective from the other side of the hill. Obviously, uh, the coaches and the and Players have strong rooting interests, like from one team to another within the tournament. As tournament organizers, obviously, we don't. What we root for is a strong, well-functioning, stress-free, drama-free tournament. And 
I remember that 2016 MSNCT. Uh, I was the head editor of the question set that year for our, for our middle school national championship. I've done that for a number of years. It's an honor and a privilege to do it. It's also tremendously stressful because it requires a very large number of questions for a national championship uh, that also need to be free of repeats while being appropriate for a middle school audience. And so getting those last few repeats out of the MSNCT set is one of the most stressful things we do in the, in the course of an ordinary year. And I remember at the end of that finals game, uh, Dwight Kidder texted us in the control room for, okay, this game is close going into going through toss-up 22. Uh, please come in and check on us. And Rob Hensel, Joel Gluskin, and I you know, started the trophy collection process. We all left the control room and said, okay, this is clear through 22. Uh, we walked up to the doorway of the Crystal Ballroom in the Atlanta Hilton. And we were, and the three of us were standing there waiting while that game ended to find out, do are we going back to the control room for a second game of the final, or are we going in to announce a national championship? And I remember standing there at the door, the three of us there with our ears to the door, listening to that toss-up being read. And we hear Nathan Murphy's voice, toss-up 24. This man defeated Desiderius to conquer the Lombard people. His kingdom was split between three of his grandsons by the Treaty of Verdun. And I remember feeling just like this enormous weight had lifted off my shoulders that this is a medieval history question that I, Jeff, personally edited and know what to do with in case there is a protest. It is not going to be science. It is not going to be pop culture. It is not going to be some complicated thing that will leave everyone going away angry. I know exactly what to do with the last 291 characters of this national championship. And then you know what was going on inside the room. We didn't at the time, but we knew, okay, this one is over and done with, and we're moving on to the next stage of the process. So, Hey, it's, it's interesting. That's my favorite moment too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put in a pitch for uh, the, the rounds that happen before nationals, the rounds that are uh, scrimmages the night before and so uh, I, I, I just love the energy of all the teams running around, playing each other, teams seeing each other uh, after what has been a very long hiatus, uh, you know, like being like, ah, oh, you, ah, I remember you guys beat us last year. We're ready this time. Um, and I, I'm really personally hoping that there'll be some sort of chance for the players to, to warm up or have some kind of practice rounds. But I, I you know, I know that with, with the logistics, it's, it's incredible. So. We'll probably not have a formal structure of that type this year. Uh, we we considered something of the sort and ultimately rejected it just because it's just one more thing to organize on Zoom when we have a lot to organize on Zoom this year. Yeah. Uh, so we know how much everyone loves the, of, loves the scrimmages in real life. It's been years and years since I've been able to see any of that myself just because I'm the last mm -hmm. several years I've been typically handing out folders at the check-in desk, with it, mm -hmm. which is its own incredible form of manic energy. And yeah. I appreciate it greatly, but one of these years I should switch back. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 2022. I'll see you there. We very much hope to see you in person. Jeff, I, I know it's, uh, as you said, it's a busy time and you have a lot more work to do to get ready for everything that's coming up for NAQT. We really appreciate you taking some time and coming on our podcast and uh, talking to us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me on the show. That was Jeff Hoppus, NAQT's Vice President of Communication. NAQT's National Championship for Middle Schoolers, MSNCT, is the weekend of May 1st and 2nd.
Andrew, you, you got to tell me, like, you actively think about how to, like, con the system and and cheat the system. So, uh, yes, absolutely. In in almost any, so there is a saying uh, for anyone who plays any sort of competitive game that if something is really good, it's broken. Uh, and the the general search for strategies that are very good, strategies that should be more dominant than they are exploits that are you know particularly backbreaking are, are you're basically looking to break the format or you're looking to break the the metagame something like that uh, and that's something that i'm always looking to do uh in you know lots of different places and uh, i think it's a it's just a useful useful tool especially if you're turning it inward um like if you're if you're giving a quiz your teacher and you're giving a quiz or a test and you're thinking like wait a second how could a student break this right how could how could a system be broken easily uh, it just gives you a little bit of extra resilience uh, in terms of uh, obviously what NAQT is doing is on a whole nother level. I'm sure they have uh, actual advisors thinking about how people potentially could be accessing resources during tournaments and things like that. Um, but it's a super useful, uh, super useful strategy that almost anyone can use. Um, I am and- I am really glad you have not actively tried to sabotage the tournaments that I run just to mm-hmm. see if I could come up with them. Oh yeah, that would be that would be interesting. I mean, now that you've thrown the gauntlet down. Uh, I have but, not. I have not thrown the gauntlet down. <laughs> uh, no, you have. We have you on record. Um, uh, expect <laughs> it reminds me of the old um, the old thing. It's going to be Three easy payments of nineteen ninety nine and one really hard payment. Uh, expect one of the tournaments next year, Ken, to just go really wrong for some reason. Just so you can't mm. figure it out. Just really wrong. Everything's going wrong, uh, and yeah, you don't know which one. So, so uh, I, I feel like this is this is a great setup for a brand new segment on for ten points, um, because Mr. T, you're just filled with these ideas and tips and tricks, and. Uh, we, we're always here to try to help teams get better. And so uh, you, you got to listen. We have something perfect that'll help you guys get better. Looking for a way to spice up practice or have some fun while improving? Coach Turiago has just the thing. They're not resources. They're tea sources. What do you have today, Andrew? Uh, so... Uh, my Mr. T sources, the T sources, uh, for this week, my T source is, uh, a website called Bluekit. So that is spelled, uh, B L O O K E T Bluekit. Um, my kids are still asking me, Mr. T, when can we do another bloom kit? When can we do another, uh, blanket? I don't know. They haven't exactly got the name down, but it's Bluekit, B L O O K E T. Uh, it is essentially a, uh, sort of like quiz game. Uh, you know, Kahoot style website, but I found that it's a lot more robust than Kahoot um, for the main reason being that there are a lot of variations in game modes. I'm a big fan of gamification of things, uh, making things into games, especially when it comes to practicing. Uh, and Ken, I, I know you can talk to uh, the experience that you've had uh, running into some of our practices. Kids are saying things like, oh, can we do opera again? Can we do, you know, poets again, please? Uh, and that just usually isn't something that happens with those categories. Uh, it just really uh, is a innately fun uh, means of practice. The two that I would recommend the most uh, for uh, someone who's just setting up, I believe it's called Gold Rush. Ken, is that is that what it is for the for the treasure chest? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So uh, Gold Rush, basically what you have to do is you have to set up a question set. You, so you have to make a, uh, uh, you know, have questions with four multiple choice answers, very similar to Kahoot. Any teacher would know, any, you know, anyone who's, who's played Kahoot before or made one would know as well. Uh, but uh, the reason that this is so much better than Kahoot, and the reason I think it's so much more engaging than playing a Kahoot. Uh, first, I'll ask you, Ken, when was the last time you participated in a Kahoot? Oh, I think at like Christmas time when we were doing some sort of like time filler, like yeah. one of the other teachers did a Kahoot and stuff. And I know the ki kids aren't that excited about it anymore. Yeah. The, the experience is uh, if you are getting questions right, it's fun. If you're in like the top five, it's fun. Uh, if you're in like the bottom 10 students who have really have no chance of catching up, it's just not a fun experience after the first few questions. Kids will say something like, can we just restart this one? Um, and it it's because fundamentally as a game, it's broken. It doesn't have a catch-up feature, which every other game has. Uh, Mario Kart has a catch-up feature. Uh, almost any video game you can think of has some sort of a catch-up feature, a come from behind ability to win. And Gold Rush as a mode uh, allows you to just basically with every correct question that you answer, you get some kind of small bonus. And occasionally those bonuses are like switching leaderboard places with other players, stealing large amounts of those other players gold, which is just the points that they accumulate as they get questions right. And I found that it's deeply engrossing to the point where I almost feel like I have to wean my students off of it a little bit uh, because they're getting too into my vocabulary words, which are difficult, by the way. They're getting too into my vocabulary words uh, and, you know, they, they keep asking me to play more Blue Kit, which, you know, genuinely, they're, they're starting to get very good. Uh, and these are not easy words. And I know that, I know for a fact that this would be uh, a resource that a coach or a motivated player could do uh, and set up pretty easily. It's a very user-friendly website. Uh, and it is something that genuinely would be like a fun team building experience, as well as a... Uh, means of practicing very difficult material. Uh, I can imagine something like uh, putting all the Renaissance painters and artists in one blue kit and, uh, you know, having all the kids fight over which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is the answer to this question. You know, showing them a picture of, uh, you know, Gata Malata, uh, showing them, uh, you know, the Sistine Chapel, all those kinds of things. You can, you can embed pictures into a blue kit as well. Um, and, you know, I think that would be a good... Uh, means of practice for for any sort of a, a tricky topic because genuinely sometimes it's hard to study a little bit of this dry material like if you are a science player and uh you're currently just trying to do something like partially memorize the periodic table of elements that's a little dry right uh it is it is going to be diminishing returns after a certain amount of time and i think having as many alternate means of practicing as possible, like in this case, using bluekit.com um, is just a way to stay on your toes to maybe have the information presented in a new way. And I think for teams that are practicing remotely, which maybe there's a lot of teams like ours that are practicing remotely, uh, it just is a really fun time. And uh, I can tell you, like my co-teacher has played with us and the kids are like, wow, she's so good. Yeah, she is. She's an adult, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I think coaches and players alike will really, really appreciate this. So that's bluekit.com, B-L-O-O-K-E-T.com. I, I know, uh, actually, no, I created a Bluekit using the NAQTs you got to know because I was, I'm always trying to get my players to 
study that. And I finally found a way to do that through Blukit. And wouldn't you know it, at a recent tournament, they powered a question because of something they learned on Blukit. Yep. It's only as good as the, the material that you plug into it. But True. it is fun. And that's not something you can say for some of the content that does show up in some quiz bowl questions. Not to pick on anyone, like <coughs> math. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it can, it can spice up some dry topics. Hey, speaking of powering questions. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2009 ACF fall. In homage to Watson and Crick, this man painted Galassi Delassi de Saxo-Ribonucleic Acid, part of his nuclear mysticism period that also included such works as Crucifixion, Corpus Hypercubus. He depicted several Venus de Milos wearing different colored skirts in the hallucinogenic Toreador. The question goes on to mention swans reflecting elephants, while asking for the Catalan surrealist who painted some melting watches in the persistence of memory. The answer, of course, is Salvador Dali. Good MSR players will know the hallucinogenic Toreador. That's too cool of a title not to have it stick after hearing it a few questions a few times. The painting itself, the hallucinogenic Toreador, is amazing and worthy of your own investigation. In order to power questions on famous artists, you need to know their lesser-known works and the important details of their major works. This question mentions two of Dali's lesser-known works early, so let's dive into those. Dali had a fixation with the fourth dimension. Inspired by the 12th century Catalan mystic Ramon Lull and 16th century architect Juan de Herrera, Dali painted a depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus on a three-dimensional net of a four-dimensional cube, also called a tesseract or hypercube and thus the name of the painting, Corpus Hypercubus. The first painting mentioned in the question is the oddly named Galassi Delassi de Saxo-Ribonucleic Acid, also called Homage to Crick and Watson. This painting is a combination of his wife's name, Gala Dali, and the full name of DNA. This, the painting served as a tribute to Watson and Crick, the scientists who, along with Rosalind Franklin, discovered the double helix structure of DNA. Dali expressed his admiration for math and science in his paintings. He frequently met with mathematicians and scientists and asked what they were studying in order to be inspired. Inter interestingly, Dali's wife appeared in all three of these works. Her face is in the upper left-hand corner in the hallucinogenic Toreador. She was the model for the Morning Mary looking up the crucified Jesus in Corpus Hypercubus. And her back is to the viewer as she gazes upward in Galassi Delassi Disoxoribonucleic Acid. Gala Dali modeled in many of his other works, like The Discovery of America by Christopher Columbus and The Madonna of Port Liggett. So if you hear a question mentioning an homage to Crick and Watson or Corpus Hypercubus, after hearing this podcast, it might seem surreal, but you should still buzz in and say, Dali. So Ken, I don't know if you knew, but uh, Dali's wife was an excellent cook. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, but uh, he, he, he refused to eat any of the breakfast she ever made. Why is that, Andrew? He, he would only eat surreal. Cereal.
Uh, that may be the worst one yet. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, I think this was a fantastic episode, uh, but I'm very biased. Uh, if for some reason you you wanted to share your thoughts with us, or maybe we could have some questions that we could pass on to uh, NAQT for you, feel free to email us at um, for 10 points at gmail.com, as always. Um, and this has been for 10 points, the best podcast on the web for everything quiz bowl related. Hopefully, whether you are a player, coach, uh, we have helped you improve. Uh, and I'm your host, Andrew Toriago, signing off for my co-host, uh, Ken Romeo. See you all next time.